I'm Ebony K. Williams, your attorney at law and host. Welcome to Holding Court, where we analyze the very latest legal headlines everybody's already talking about. We dig into how the courts impact the culture. We break it all down for you, and we go straight from gavel to your news feed. And I promise you this, y'all, every single week, we're going to keep it a buck, keep it 100. Right, Dustin Ross? That's right, Ebony. Let's go ahead and hold court. Let's do it. Dustin Ross, great to be with you, my brother. How was your weekend? It was wonderful. And, I, and the first thing I want to do is wish you a happy Valentine's Day, E. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you, my love. Mm-hmm. I want you and to feel the love. Listen, Valentine's Day is for all of us. Happy Valentine's Day to you, too, D. Thank you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Where mm-hmm. in the world are you right now? <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> oh, okay, you in the A. Back in the A, yes. Oh, is that specifically for Valentine's Day? Is that the Valentine's Day trip celebration? Um, something like that. My partner had a um, extended assignment here for work. And so I'm going to be spending a little bit more time, more of my time here, I should say, than I would in New York. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And do you are you an Atlanta guy? You enjoy Atlanta? That's fun for you? Listen, Atlanta is the South. It's the Peach State in Georgia. Um, it's a big black ass city. So I love oh, yes, Atlanta. Um, I definitely have a good time here. And if I'm being honest, it feels good to see some of the things open a little bit. I know we're not supposed to say that, but it's encouraging that there's something yeah. on the other side of this coronavirus nightmare. So oh, yes. say that, say that. Yes. Actually, to that point, right, D, I was reading in the uh, New York Times over the weekend, the weekend brief. The rates look good. We don't need to get complacent. We need to be diligent. But infection rates are going down. Death rates going down. Hospitalization rates going down. And I'm with you. Like vaccination rates going up. You know, we've got, I think it said three times as many folks vaccinated in the past month than the month prior. So I I do think that 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 light at the end of the tunnel is real. And I'm, I'm excited and Yes. I know later in the show, we're going to be joined by my dear friend and extremely special guest, Mr. Ted James. And, you know, coronavirus almost took Ted's life. And that's Mm -hmm. real. That's a young brother, active brother. And uh, we almost lost him to COVID-19. So I'm very happy to see uh, us getting to a place where we know how to fight this virus. We know how to be diligent and uh, and we can make it. So let me tell you about my weekend, child. Mm -hmm. I was actually with my fellow housewives. Okay. And this we we're wrapped, Dustin Ross. We're wow, season 13. You first in, season. First season in the can. Um we had I have to say, I mean not to spoil anything. We had our final cast trip. Mm-hmm. It was a trip and um I can say I I I had a lot of fun and I'm really excited for uh, for the people to see this is going to be a season of running not like anything else ever seen before truly you made history and i cannot wait to watch the world is waiting with bated breath and it is you it is about you <laughs> ronnie season 13 is all about ebony k Williams. <laughs> what it is you know funny baby no I'm, I'm, um, I'm excited i can't wait you know i've been very chill about this whole thing dustin very yes, you like have. you know let me just focus on the work and da, 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 da. but now that it's wrapped i'm i'm like a kid in a candy store i can't wait for this <laughs> to come out like i really i'm so excited I am so excited. I can't wait to see you holding that damn apple. I cannot wait. It's so fun. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. I'm excited. So, yes, this weekend was my final go round with these bitches. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for the the world and the culture to see it. Um, Yes. Something that I could have done without was seeing any more shit about Donald Trump. Oh, Oh, my God. You know. 
this motherfucker. So, of course, we all saw the breaking news over the weekend. Trump, as expected, as we predicted here on Holding Court, right, acquitted mm-hmm. uh, by his uh, GOP, you know, cronies in the United States Senate. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Only seven Republicans had just a little bit of balls uh, to actually stand up for, oh, I don't know, the Constitution. I mean, really. It's a damn shame. So, of course, 43 cowardly ass Republicans voted to acquit Donald Trump of uh, insurrection of the United States Capitol on January 6th, leading to the death of many people. I mean, I just said I feel like that gets lost. Like this wasn't just mm-hmm. a, a rowdy group. This led to the death of five people, five. including including a cop. And I thought blue lives were supposed to matter, weren't they? Back the blue, they said. Back the blue, they said. Mm. Yeah. Well, where was it then? You know, this is this is this is a shame. This is literally shameful. All of these Republican senators have literal blood on their hands. Um, they're on the wrong side of history. This will be remembered forever. I hate the precedent that it's that it sets for this type of thing to happen again and for people to feel like they can do that. Um, that was shameful. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And these Republican senators who voted to acquit are pieces of shit. Um, they'll forever yeah. be remembered as such, and their names will be attached to this in history. We'll be able to say these are the people who allowed him to get away with that. And, you know, the biggest piece of shit to me is actually uh, Moscow Mitch McConnell. Because, oh, my God. They laid a dollar short. It's so shitty, Dustin, what this man is doing, trying to unsuccessfully play both sides of the fence here. Mm-hmm. I respect Mitch ass more if he just say, I don't think he did nothing wrong, so I'm right. quitting him. I'll get, you're stupid as fuck, but I would respect you more. Instead, yeah. Mitch coming out talking about, quote, there is no question, no question, that President Trump is both practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of that day, January 6th, Capitol Riot. End quote. And yet you still chose to acquit on some uh, procedural grounds. Get that mm, out of here. Mm, mm, I can't. Mm, I can't. Mm. I, I can't. And I won't do it with Mitch McConnell, Dustin. I will yeah. not do it. Mitch McConnell has been consistently ruining our lives. And this oh is God. just at a, a level that Ridiculous. has never been seen before. So Ridiculous. Uh, I know. Yeah. But, um, you know, a shining a shining piece of the weekend. So it always is black women, honey. Just leave mm. it to black women to just give a little ray of sunshine in the clouds of bullshit. Yes. Uh, Delegate Stacy Plaskett. Uh, mm-hmm. This sister's gone viral in, in the best way. First of all, she looks amazing. I just want right. to say that. Okay. She don't she, play that shit either. Miss, Miss Pretty Powerful in her beautiful blue caped yes. uh, dress. That and then cape the, moment. A cape, you know, we live a cape moment. Mm-hmm, we love a cape mm-hmm. moment. Um, but Delegate Plaskett just also speaking truth to power when she says this. I'll briefly say the defense counsels for Trump put on a lot of videos out there in their defense, playing clip after clip of black women talking about fighting for a cause or an issue or a policy. It is not lost on me that so many of them were people of color and women, black women, mm-hmm. end quote. And, you know, I love that, Dustin, for so many reasons. Uh, yes. You know, I think as black people, it is always so valuable to be seen. And this, when we talk about representation mattering, yes. this is what the hell we're talking about. That's right. right. That's right. Um, ever since she was appointed the uh what was her title with the with the impeachment was she the oh, manager, manager. Mm-hmm. yeah when i because i had heard of her before but this was the first time that i really paid a lot of attention to her um yeah. and i was so very thoroughly impressed 
she'll be remembered on the right side of history, but we can't say the same for a lot of the names involved in this story. So, indeed, indeed. Yeah. The only good thing about, you know, the whole thing being wrapped up is I, I just don't want to talk about Trump anymore. I really don't. Yeah. Hi, you lost Bye. everything. You lost the White House. You let the Republicans lose the Senate. You mm-hmm. led the Republicans to losing the House of Representatives. You, you lost your hair. Lost- That's why it comes over in the top. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. So, Trump, take your ass to Mar-a-Lago mm-hmm. and be gone. Good riddance. I don't want to even give him any more energy. I truly Get your don't. ass out. You Get have Melania and Baron too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Nasties. All right. So, with that, we're going to get into, of course, a nice rich docket for today's episode. Um, we're so excited about that. And again, this interview we're going to have with Representative Ted James. He's a member of the Louisiana House of Representatives. And he's going to help us dig into uh, something that really caught my attention, Dustin, which is the proposed $4.5 million settlement mm. um, for the death, the killing of Brother Alston Sterling. That happened, of mm. course, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Ted, among other things, he's a brilliant son of Louisiana and Baton Rouge. So he's, yes. he knows the people involved. He knows the family members. He knows the city council members. He's very close with the mayor there, a beautiful black sister as well. Um, so he's going to give us insights on what this settlement offers offer means, um, how far does it get us towards a path of justice and then again you know ted almost lost his life to COVID 19 mm. and it's serious and it's real and he more than anybody understands that dustin and he's going to break down what our folks what the culture needs to know about this vaccine and about how to move forward with uh you know still in a pandemic all right all right so let's go ahead and start off with our docket and get to these legal headlines first up on today's docket you know, we put out our sidebar, which people really seem to love. I was yes, happy about they did. that. <laughs> uh, and that's free Britney bitch, right? Yes. Because uh, the culture goes up for Britney Spears. That's just what it is. Just what it is. <laughs> just yeah. listen, it is what it is. And so, you know, obviously, Dustin, we both watched the Hulu documentary uh, Framing Britney Spears, which yes. talks all about this conservatorship, which I call conservator bullshit. That's what it is. That's because that's what it is, right? And that is the case of Britney's father, Jamie Spears, for the past, I mean, 10 years. I mean, this is insane. This man has had legal authority over both Britney's person and finances, her estate. And Britney's not here for it. It is, nope. it is a, a known thing at this point in her life and career. Britney Spears does not, emphatically does not want her father, Jamie Spears, in charge of any of these decisions. So yeah. here's, here's where it is now. There was breaking news over the past couple of days. Judge in the case, uh, Brenda Penny is her name. Judge Penny appointed Bessemer Trust Co., which is essentially a bank of sorts, to mm. be co-conservator of Britney Spears' estate. Uh, this decision was actually made uh, last uh, fall, winter, November 2020. And what happened just a few days ago is that that was reinforced. Basically, uh, Jamie Spears, Britney's father, and his lawyers were saying, oh, we don't we don't want the co-conservatorship. We want full control. Judge Penny said, not on my watch. Not on my Here watch. Judge Penny said, right, no, there will be. Uh, the purposes of an equal division of responsibility in hopes that Jamie Spears and this bank can sit down and figure out together the best way to handle the complicated estate for the benefit of my client. That, of course, was coming from Brittany's attorney, um, Samuel Ingram. So 
that's a great thing. The fact that at a minimum, if, if Brittany can't get her father completely off of her conservatorship um, responsibility, at least he has to be accountable in equal parts to mm-hmm. Bessemer Trust Company. So at yes. least there's some oversight. You know what I mean, Dustin? Like it's not all up to him. There's some checks Which and balances here. Yeah. yeah, that's what we wanted was for him to be checked and balanced. And I would like to add <laughs> that he was checked and balanced by a black woman, Judge Brenda Penny. Um, and fun fact, her son is Prentice Penny, the showrunner. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. That is Prentice Penny's Justin, mother. Stop. Fun fact, right? You know, that's yep. why you on this show, brother. You always <laughs> bring in the deep, deep cultural knowledge. I love it. Yeah, um, first of all, right. that's amazing. Love, love Prentice Penny. Such a fantastic part of the culture. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, well, first of all, with a name like Brenda Penny, that ain't nothing but a black queen. First we should have Look, she can cook. Okay? Yeah, Brenda's collards. Stop. Yes, playing. and that fish, um, don't get me started. Yes. Catfish, probably. You know, yes, yes. Texas Pete. But listen, yes. um, no, it's always going to be a black woman. And, 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 and I love that. And I love this judge's decision. And I want to say this, this is not the end of the Britney Spears story. There's going to mm. be a couple more hearings coming up soon, March 17th on good old St. Patty's day, as mm-hmm. well as April 27th. And listen, Dustin, don't, don't think that Britney and her legal team are not going to continue to try to get Jamie Spears removed altogether. Yeah, you know, especially with this taking place. This is a step in the right direction. So correct. this would motivate them even more, I'm sure. Correct. So we'll continue to watch out for these upcoming hearings uh, concerning Britney and her freedom. So That's hashtag right. Free Britney bitch. Free Britney bitch. Yeah. And if you're listening now and you haven't listened to our sidebar episode, it's only about 15 or 20 or so minutes uh, where Dustin and I go deep into why the conservatorship is bullshit and and the manipulations of the legalities of this conservatorship. Check it out. Something else that I have to say I was a little surprised, but in the best way about the state of Virginia is on the cusp of abolishing the death penalty. Get out of here. Yeah. Were you surprised when you heard it was Virginia? That's Very surprised because, as everybody knows, Virginia is notorious for executing. Well, how many people has it been? One hundred and thirteen. Yeah, one hundred and thirteen people have been killed on Virginia's watch, the state of Virginia, since nineteen seventy-six. Yeah, and that, let me tell you what that number means, though, D. That's the highest percentage of death row inmates in any other state in the U.S. Meaning, per capita, they kill more people than any other state. Damn. Even just pure number the only state that kills more people than them is texas because in texas your ass can get killed real quick real quick (laughs) um but texas of course has such a higher populace Mm -hmm. so so person for person virginia actually trumps texas on the enthusiasm in which they uh execute folks i thought virginia was for lovers this don't sound too loving do it no it (laughs) Okay. Sound like Virginia is for switch hitters and, and murderers and, and switch flippers. That's who that's who Virginia is for, apparently. This Listen, is a damn if that's if, if that's love, I don't want it. Exactly. If that's love, I don't want it. I don't want it, Dustin. I don't want it. Um, but no, it's 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 shocking. But I'm gonna just tell you it kind of the structure as to how Virginia has gotten to to the cusp of real progressivism when it comes to criminal justice. Like it's really okay. kind of a cool thing. First Top of, you know, everything starts from the top. Their governor, Ralph Northam, okay? He's a, de- a Democratic governor. He's been in power for a minute now. He has been a vocal champion of getting rid of this death penalty, okay? And he has went out and said, Virginia, 
The demographics of this state are changing. It's becoming browner, younger, more affluent. And we are going to step into the prop, the proper political and policy positions of a progressive state, which is shocking for Virginia. Yeah. I mean, it's not so long ago that Virginia was considered really like a solidly red conservative state. And then uh, in 2008, Virginia went along with North Carolina, went blue for Barack Obama. And that was kind of the, the first indication, Dustin, that Virginia could get here, that yes. Virginia could truly find itself leaning towards some some daylight of progressive politics. So um happy to see this. And here's why. You know me. I'm not just some, you know, far, deep, dark, blue partisan. I don't really give a shit about either one no. of those parties. Yes. What I care about though is shit that makes sense. Here's the problem with the death penalty. It's it's it can be inherently and almost always is inherently racist. Yes. Let's look at Virginia. Black folks only make up 20% of Virginia's populace. But ask me how much percentage of black folks are killed in the state of Virginia with the death penalty. Almost 50, almost 50, almost half. Now, what kind of shit is that, Ebony? Well, I guess we know what kind of shit is it. It's racist shit. Systematic racism. At its finest. Systematic racism. Systemic. (laughs) Well, and systematic. Shit, you're not wrong. It's systematic and it's systematic. fucked up. That's, that's it right there. Okay. Yeah, it's all of it. And I thought this was really fucked up right here. I read this in one of the Times articles about this. The single, this is from a an actual study in my beloved alma mater, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, shout out Tar Heels, and Georgetown Law Center. They did a study in 2015, found this out, Dustin. The single, single most reliable predictor of whether or not a defendant in America will be executed is race. Well, get out of here. I know I said that like it was really profound and shocking, but but I <laughs> like, mean it is shocking. Terrible. It is it's shocking. terrible. It should be shocking. It's a damn shame that it's not shocking to us because yeah. that that is a shocking statistic. Yeah, the okay. single most of all of them race, single most. And and check this T out. The defendants that are killed typically always have white victims. So if you're a black defendant, but you have a black victim, um, there's a black victim in the case, you likely will not be executed, which goes to show people want to say, what does black lives matter? mean, it means that it means that when there's a black life lost or a black woman or man raped, rarely is the death penalty used. But oh, let it be a white victim. Uh Your ass is getting that chair. Your ass is getting that um, inject that cocktail, that injectable cocktail to take your life. That is insane. While several other studies found that when defendants kill white Americans, they are much more likely to receive a death sentence. Mm. Inherently, systematically and systemic racism. I don't fool with the death penalty. (sighs) They get the shit wrong too often, Dustin. Yes, they do. Do you realize that one out of nine people executed, one out of nine people put on death row, end up exonerated? exonerated mm, mm, mm. meaning it was a wrongful conviction in the first place one out of nine not one out of a hundred not one out of 50 one out of nine that is crazy crazy nine uh-uh. uh-uh and it's always like the same common factors that lead to the exoneration a lot of these death penalty convictions they're based on eyewitness testimony and guess what? Eyewitness testimony is inherently unreliable. 
Okay, we got a million legal treatises that tell us that false or coerced confessions. People ask all the time this dumbass question. Well, who would con- admit to something they didn't do? People do it all the time, all the time. Coercive tactics are used by law enforcement. Law enforcement is legally allowed to lie to you during interrogation. If you don't know about it, ask the exonerated five. Huh. Ask hmm. them. Inadequate legal defense. Oftentimes, the least among us, the most vulnerable among us, do not have the funds to hire the Johnny Cochran's of the world. And they end, end up. up, yeah, they end up with um, overworked public defenders. Because I've been once, so I've no shade to public defenders. They they can be some of the best out there, but we don't have the resources. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you have an overworked, underfunded at- attorney representing you, guess what? That's not the best legal counsel. Mm-hmm. False or misleading forensic evidence. All forensics are not created equal. What kind of lab was doing this study? Yeah. What kind of individuals were were maintaining the chain of custody? Come on now. And then last but not least, false accusations are perjury lying by witnesses who are Mm. getting plea agreements. They're being incentivized to lie so that they can get a better sentence for themselves. See? So, so that's why I don't fool with the death penalty. Now, I want to be clear. I think some people do deserve to die for the crimes they commit. Yeah, I do. absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 do too. That's I the agree. Standard, right? The standard is to, to sentence someone to death. What the law is saying, Dustin, is that the crime committed is so heinous and beyond the pale of humanity mm-hmm. that you really don't deserve to live. You, you, you put your, your mere being, your mere living amongst a decent society is a threat. But The reason I still don't support the death penalty is because we have it as a country figured out a way to equitably and correctly administer it. That's the problem. The standard of proof is not high enough beyond a reasonable doubt. No, that shit needs to be beyond all doubt if you're going to kill somebody. Yeah, I agree. That's what the problem is. And that's what the problem is. Because when you tell me, Dustin, one in nine ends up exonerated after more evidence comes out. Nah, you, you, America's not, not uh, responsible enough, no. adequate enough, efficient enough no. to administer a death penalty. Not so all of all. that said, Virginia now stands on the cusp. All they need really now is a, is a signature from their governor, which they will get. And mm-hmm. they will be the first Southern state to abolish the death penalty. And what that means, Dustin, is other Southern states that are neighboring it. North Carolina, uh, maybe even Georgia, mm-hmm. Tennessee, those mm-hmm. other southern states will likely be able. This will set a precedent is what yes. I'm saying. Virginia Good. abolishing this will set a southern precedent that says maybe we all need to reconsider if and how we have a death penalty in this state. I love that. That's the kind of progress I like to see. That's the kind of change that we need and that I like to see. Um, and like you said, I do hope that this is influential um, and some decision-making in other states. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, these Absolutely. numbers are terrible, so it was time for a change. Yeah, and the reason we're getting that change, Dustin, you got to vote. I don't. Yeah. I can't, I have to always tie it back because the only reason Virginia's poised to do this is because they have a Democrat governor who ran and is willing to stick by what he ran on by way of progressive change in criminality. Mm-hmm. Then you have a Democrat-controlled uh, House of Representatives in Virginia in the first time in 20 years. See. First time. Between. So that's how it's being done. You got to well, vote. You got to vote. Get their asses out so we can get the right people in. That's right. 
speaking of the wrong people, mm-hmm. Kevin Hart, brother Kevin Hart, Ooh. hired the wrong. Got to Kevin be Hart, more careful. Kevin Hart and ran up on a scammer, y'all. Okay, Kevin Hart's mm-hmm. alleged personal assistant, uh, shopper, personal shopping assistant, I should say. Mm-hmm. He's now facing charges in Queens, uh, New York, Queens, yes. uh, Borough, New York, Supreme mm-hmm. Court, massive charges for allegedly defrauding Kevin Hart out of over a million dollars. This ain't no Man. chump change. This is a million bucks uh, that this 29-year-old has allegedly stolen, swindled, schemed, scammed his way uh, out of a million dollars worth of shit from Kevin Hart. This is nuts. Okay, so. Right? Okay, so the prosecutor in the case, uh, Ms. Katz, she's bringing charges, big charges. Uh, I'm going to run them down for you because I was okay. like, this is not, this is not no, no little bullshit here. Charges include grand larceny in the first and second degree, criminal possession of stolen property, first and second degree, Identity theft, first degree, and mm-hmm. scheme to defraud in the first degree. Arraignment is going to be coming up soon, uh, just in a couple of days. And if convicted, uh, this this uh, alleged defendant by the name of Sire, he will face up to 25 years in prison. That's a long ass time. Yes, it is. Yeah, so uh, the Queens District Attorney, her name is Melinda Katz, rather, her team is saying that the defendant allegedly purchased over almost, I think it was like 900 and some odd thousand dollars on this credit card. These mm-hmm. are uh, considered unauthorized purchases. And then had the audacity to get like $240,000 worth of jewelry. Okay. <laughs> of course. From one of these, because you know how we got to, you know, mm-hmm. always with the jewelry with the bling, um, mm-hmm. from a California jeweler. So all totaling over a million dollars, all from Kevin Hart's um, accounts. And Kevin Hart, none the wiser the whole time. No, nah, well, apparently all these items must have been on high shelves in the home. Oh, you know and what? That is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how this personal shopper was able to steal them. It was all over Kevin's head. But no, this is um, this is <laughs> insane. Um, all of this money to for a million dollars to be unaccounted for. And then you find out that, you know, a personal shopper was shopping for not just you, but mm-hmm. then you. You know, that's got to be... Well, yeah. that's how that's how the dude got away with it for so long is because so Kevin hired this guy back in 2015 mm-hmm. and the first two years, the guy was making authorized, correct purchases. So he earned okay. Kevin's trust. See, that's this is some scheming tips right here. You know, you, act, you have some act right about yourself to get the trust. And at some point, Kevin was like, this guy's legit. I can trust him with my cards and access to my finances. I don't have to worry about him. He did that for two years. Then years three and four, that's when he went ham. That's when he started. It has good taste too. Can't knock the can't knock the taste, child. I was looking at that list. I said. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. Pateks. Five Pateks. Well, wrist, wrist on bling. Okay. Valued at just the watches. I mean, that's where a lot of this shit went to. Just the watches valued at over four hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's almost half a million dollars mm-hmm. on Patek. Philippe watches. That's you know he didn't he he's like Rolex who Cartier right. what I'm nah I'm good trade for that protect you know wow a, a Sam Friedman painting right listen and 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 you know about this life Dustin with your bougie self not one <laughs> but two Louis Vuitton keep all bags <laughs> okay he's traveling in fashion 
two because he had to get another bag for the rest of the shit he was going to steal. Right. One for, one for the left hand, one for the right hand. Well, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he had some things to put in that bag, apparently. So, yeah, well, this is why, you know what? You got to watch your shit. You got to watch the people that have access to your things. Hold you on. have to be quite diligent and do your due diligence when you're hiring people and staffing um, your companies and, and your personal home staff, because this oh, can happen so easily to anybody. Easy. Yeah. And also watch the people that you have working with you or around you. Check out their social feeds. Absolutely. This crazy ass scammer was so ballsy. He was putting the shit he was lifting and stealing and unauthorized purchasing on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. Watch your statements. Look at your credit card statements. Look at your credit report. You know, I'm not going to say who or when, but, you know, there has been a time in my life where I got a call about a credit card that I know I didn't open up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very easy to have. That happens so easily. You got to yeah. watch. But um, over a million bucks supposedly swindled from Kevin Hart and the uh, defendant can look up to 25 years in prison. Insane. Mm-hmm insane all right we're gonna take a quick break pay a little bit of our bills speaking of money uh, and then when we come back we've got much more holding court stay with all us right. all right y'all welcome back to holding court and we're gonna get to uh you know the one of my personal favorite queens and that's miss Halle berry all right. And if you've been, you so sad. All right now. <laughs> now, if you've been paying any attention to social, uh, Hallie's been very vocal recently, right? Yes, like we're I hearing. Too, by well, the way. I, I'm here for Hallie and the shits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hallie's been speaking about her man Van Hunt child. She's been speaking about um, fuck boys, and she's been speaking about um, swindlers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that kind of went viral was the fact that Hallie put up this Instagram post that says women don't owe you shit, right? Very simple. It was like a graphic. I thought it was self-explanatory. Somebody wanted to be messy boots and said um, in the comments, says the woman who can't keep a man. And I want y'all to look at this brother's avatar and and consider the context. (laughs) Then Hallie says, (laughs) Hallie hits back, Hallie claps back and says, who says I want to keep the wrong man? Because I don't. Okay. I hear that, ma'am. Honey, this is Queen Halle Berry. <laughs> She's not going to stick with any bullshit. And so that then led to more comments and more conversation. And then eventually somebody said something about, you know, child support and spousal support, alimony. Yes. And Halle basically said, I won't speak on alimony because I've never been asked to pay it and I've never paid it, um, nor have I ever received it. But she does uh, go on to talk about child support because, as most of us know, Halle Berry is a very, very affluent woman. And and she had a lot to say about it. I'm going to give you the gist. She says, um, because she's been paying her ex, Gabriel Aubrey, child support in the tune of $16,000 a month for 10 years for her daughter, Naya. Okay. Now, this comment's been deleted, but, you know, we got the screen grab. Yes, we did. (laughs) Hallie says, and it takes strength to pay it every day. Talking about child support. And by the way, it's wrong and it's extortion. I'm not going to speak on alimony as I've never asked for it, nor have I ever paid it. However, as for child support, I feel I can speak on it as I've been paying it for over a decade. I feel if a woman or a man is having to pay support that is way more than they reasonably need to help support 
She put that shit in caps. Yes, she did. (laughs) I think that is wrong. I understand some parents, man or woman, may need help. But I feel in these modern times, both men and women have the responsibility to financially take care of their children and work hard and make every effort to do so. The way many laws are set up, people are allowed to use, that's in caps, children in order to be awarded money to live a lifestyle that they did not only not earn, but that is way above and beyond the child's reasonable needs. And that is the wrong. Mm. And where I see the abuse, Mm. the laws are outdated and no longer reflect the modern world. This is just my opinion. I clearly don't own the truth. I can say I'm living it every day and I can tell you it's hard. I do totally understand the feelings of those men who feel they are and have been taken advantage of by the system. Well, come on, Holly Berry. Holly Berry, Holly Berry, yes. (laughs) Miss Berry, Miss Berry. That's that Um, boomerang, Holly. Yeah, (laughs) man. And obviously I get where she's coming from. And this is what I've been preaching for years. I talked about it in the Dr. Dre video on my Instagram and folks was in their feelings about that. You know, this notion that only men are taken advantage of by some of these family law statutes and, 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 you know, uh, ways of doing business, that it's only men supporting women, uh, you know, paying absorbent child support and alimony that's bullshit you know you better ask Halle Berry you better ask Mary J Blige huh. you better ask um Sherry Shepard yes oh he know. caught her ass up with that baby oh, and everything man yeah. listen yes. baby wasn't even hers she but- said she don't want it do not she didn't she pull the receipt out she asked what the return policy was didn't she? <laughs> shut up shut up Okay. Sherry Sherry Uh, said, I don't like it anymore. (laughs) I changed my mind. It's wild. And so, yeah, I I feel I'm happy that Hallie's speaking on this and being extremely vulnerable because it's true. You know, um, people do. That's why I left family law. You know, little known fact, before my criminal defense days, I actually started in civil lit and family law. And I will tell you this, Dustin Ross, the the most combative, the Mm. most hostile courtrooms I've ever been in. They were not for armed robbery. They were not for drug possession. They were not for uh, attempted murder. They were not for molestation. And I've represented clients in all those cases. Mm -hmm. The most contentious, tense, um, just nasty ass vibes I've ever witnessed as an attorney were in divorces, family court, divorces and custody battles. Yep. Yeah, it can get nasty. Very nasty. Um, to the so Hallie in 2014, she went in for what we call a modification order, where she asked the court, and that and anybody can do this. I want people to listen to this and know if you feel you are being taken advantage of, advantage of Mm -hmm. by way of child support or spousal support, that you know you're paying out too much money, then is reasonable. You can go in and ask the court for a modification. Hallie did Mm -hmm. that in 2014. She asked the judge to reduce her child support. From sixteen grand a month to thirty eight hundred a month. Okay, this shit didn't come out in Hallie's favor. She's still on the hook for the sixteen. But um, sometimes I've seen it work, though, Dustin. Worth, let's say the person asking for the reduction has a different financial situation. If that is in fact the case, the judge will approve a modification. Okay. Um, but you know, Hallie, child, she, she got the money. She got. I'm about to say, child, you got series. You executive producing for BET, the new Boomerang. Hallie, you got the bread, baby. <laughs> she got, got it. it. You got yeah. it. And 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 because you got it, Gabriel's gonna get it. So that's another uh, cautionary. Just be careful who you have kids with. That's like, be careful who you have kids with. Be careful who you marry. 
You have you know, that's to. That's kind of my point. I don't like these laws per se. I don't think anybody should be living a lifestyle they haven't earned. My cheap ass. I ain't trying to give you nothing. <laughs> exactly. However, this you know this is the way the laws are set up. So, so be govern very, yourself accordingly. What? This is why Dustin Ross ends every episode of Holding Court with <laughs> read your terms and conditions. No, I'm serious. This yeah. is what this is about. Yeah. Understand the the consequences of arrangements and partnerships and marriage is nothing more than a partnership. That's all it is. Okay. Having a child with someone that is a form of a partnership. Yeah. And you can't be, you wouldn't enter a business contract with someone without getting very clear on the terms. How do you end it? How do you get in and out of it? What, what is, is the financial money? consequence if you break said agreement? Exactly. Marriage this- is the same fucking way. I, I just this actually makes me think about um, the sidebar episode that we dropped where we were talking about Britney Spears uh, situation and how Kevin Federline, you know, after she had those kids, he literally went straight after her for custody. Sure and he's did. been living for all of these years, mm-hmm. raising those boys off of Britney's money. She's literally. making hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, she was making hundreds of million dollars in that Vegas residency. And he was t- getting his cut off the top. So this is a very common situation. There's so many women um, who are powerful and wealthy in their own right now. Absolutely. And it's we're starting to see a shift in the lens of what this whole child support situation looks like, um, because more often than not, the women are paying. Yeah, they are paying. And 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 the, and that's right. You know, I, I want to say, like, if, if we're going to hold men to that standard, if they're the higher earner mm-hmm. and women that are the higher earner. You have to act accordingly. Now, this is a controversial take. I'm about to say, Dustin Ross. Come on with it. But this is why I don't date men that don't at least make what I make. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And, yeah. you know, p- people can feel a way about that. People can judge. Judge your mama. Don't judge me. That's okay? right. Because you got to because be even. This yoked. is why. That's And that's why. Because what <laughs> the hell do to. I look like working my black ass off every day for if shit goes left, which it can. I've already had one divorce. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sitting here sponsoring your lifestyle. Yeah, fuck that. You better get the hell on. <laughs> not, right. not me. <laughs> not get on my one. watch. Not on my watch. And I don't care who feel a way about it. That's you know? right. Um, That's right. But, that, but I am not going into a partnership where it doesn't make good business sense. Nope. And if you don't understand that's what marriage is, you need to look at them terms and conditions one more time. You have to. And this type of information should encourage, should encourage rather everyone to make smarter decisions with their partners and with what kind of uh, commitments they get themselves into, because I don't want to end up like this. I know right? you don't want to end up like this. Listen. So to me, that's the message I get from these stories. Just exactly. govern yourself exactly. accordingly. Cut it, govern yourself accordingly. Y'all read your terms and conditions. Just do yes. what Justin Ross tell you to do. Yes. Okay. With that, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, we're going to come right back and get into um, a fantastic interview uh, with my dear friend, Representative Ted James, a brother who has been advocating for the people of Louisiana for well over 10 years and, and also almost lost his own life in the wake of COVID-19. Ted's going to break down the $4.5 million settlement offer to the family of the late Alston Sterling. All that and more when we get back to Holding Court. Stay with us. All right, so welcome back to Holding Court. And uh, this, Dustin, I saw the headline breaking a few days ago and it really caught my eye. 
you know, I was born in the state of Louisiana and, and tragically, uh, a brother by the name of Alton Sterling was killed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana by law enforcement. Uh, he was unarmed. He was shot six times outside a convenience store in Baton Rouge by a man named Officer Blaine Salamone. Salamone and Officer Howie Lake II wrestled Alston Sterling to the ground. And then an internal investigation found, this is key, that Officer Salamone did use excessive force. That's an internal investigation deemed that, Dustin. Yes. He was fired in March of 2018. But then in 2019, there was a settlement that that existed and it allowed him to withdraw the termination and then resign instead. Um, But the most egregious part of this shit was that there was not a single criminal charge filed ever. Hasn't been one to this day. Devastating. And, uh, you know, Alton Sterling was one of the, the cases, sadly, one of the higher profile cases of a black man shot and killed by law enforcement, unarmed, multiple times. And I can just see his face still, you know, because yeah, he yeah. was, he, by all reports, he was a loving man, a community man, uh, someone that just wouldn't harm a fly and dead for no reason. Dead wow. for no reason. Um, but what has happened just recently is that the East Baton Rouge Parish Metro Council, basically the city council, has voted to approve a $4.5 million settlement offer. This vote was seven to four. So there was four raggedies that voted not to approve. We'll get mm-hmm. to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did approve a $4.5 million settlement to the family. It will be up to the family, though, Dustin, whether to accept it. Okay. And what I want to get to when we speak in just a moment with Representative Ted James, who is yes. a representative from the Louisiana House of Representatives. He's an attorney in Baton Rouge. He um, Everything he knows, though, I did teach him. I want to tell you that. <laughs> Let's uh, be clear. I went, to, <laughs> I went to law school with Ted for a minute, and Ted was actually my teaching assistant in torts. Um, brilliant okay. brother. Yeah, brilliant brother, student body president in law school. He will be governor of Louisiana one day. I just know that for sure. Yes. Um, but Ted knows the people involved here. He knows the mayor of Baton Rouge. He knows the council members. He knows family members. He knows the attorneys that represent the family of Alton Sterling. And so I can't wait to get Ted's breakdown as to if the family accepts this $4.5 million settlement offer, what does that mean for the other forms of justice that they will seek? You know, because it's important to know before we just accept this money, um, what are we giving up? You know yeah. what I mean? What what routes of justice then become closed to us? Yes. We must we must understand that, Ted. Oh, it is my sincere delight, my pleasure to welcome to Holden Court, um, my my friend, my law school teaching assistant, and most mm-hmm. importantly, of course, representative to the state of Louisiana and the Baton Rouge community in their House of Representatives, attorney Ted James. Welcome to the show, Ted. Thank you, Ebony. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I've already bragged on you a lot. Um, you've been a, in the House of Representatives for 10 years plus now. You will be um, <coughs> governor or senator for Louisiana in short order. But I want to talk to you first and foremost about this breaking news over the past couple of days. Uh, East Baton Rouge Parish City Council, Metro Council, has approved a $4.5 million settlement to the Austin Sterling family. Um Correct me if I'm wrong, Ted, they're breaking it down something like this. A million bucks 
upfront and then about 800 some thousand for four year payment. Yeah, um, that's correct. It doesn't feel like a lot of money to me and Dustin. Um, before we yeah. get into some of the nitty gritty, just what do you think about the dollar amount? You know, um, of course, we wanted it to be higher. Um, the initial proposal before the council was at 10 million. Um, I think that we're seeing what other states are, are you know, giving. Um, I think the Walter Scott settlement was about 13 million. So I know that the family was shooting upwards of 10 million. Um, you know, of course, I wanted it to be a lot more. Yeah. Speaking of the family, um, can you share with us any conversations or correspondent you've had with any of the family members and well, kind of what they're feeling and thinking? You know, I'll tell you that they're happy that this matter is almost to a close. Um, it's been almost five years yeah. um, since um, Alton Sterling was assassinated in our streets here in Baton Rouge. So there's a sense of comfort that this matter is finally coming to a close. But of course, there are those in the family that uh, wanted uh, to see a lot more. Um, and I think that they're also, especially in the community, some folks actually want wanted more facts to get out in a trial. Um, they wanted to dive deep into not just the actions of Blaine Salamone that night, but a lot of his background. And I think the community um, should be made aware of. Mm. So let me ask you, okay, two things I want to ask you now about that. Number one, do you think the family will accept this $4.5 million offer from the city? I think they'll accept it. Um, okay. the, the attorneys and the councilmen, Cleve Dunn that brought the measure before the council. He was one that was out uh, with us on the front lines right after the killing. And he's been in constant contact with uh, that family. I think that, you know, honestly, Ebony, I know you didn't ask me this, but the, the this Alton Sterling incident is the reason why Cleve Dunn is probably a councilman now. He, mm -hmm. he was a business leader and a business owner and stayed behind the scenes. But when Alton Sterling was killed, it pushed him to the forefront. And, and today he is, you know, recently elected and sworn as a, and a, as a councilman that represents a large portion of that area. That's fantastic. And that's good. That's good context. You know what I mean? It's good for people to see how these moments of tragedy can, if we, if we utilize them and we, we activate ourselves as a community and as a culture, uh, we can at least get some positive outcome. Right. Let me ask you what your, th I know, I know you are a fan, of course, of the mayor of Baton Rouge, um, mm -hmm. Sister Broom. Uh, what, what do you think her take is? How do you, how would you rate her leadership on this particular issue, the killing of Brother Sterling? And just give us your take. You know, she was candidate Broom when this happened and she stepped up um, a lot more than the current mayor at the time. Um, she was at the protest. Was that she Kip? Was, Who was the current yeah, mayor? Yeah, Kip Holden was the Kip mayor Holden. at the time. Okay. Um, and he he was largely absent. Um, Sharon was, you know, the same protest that um, I attended. Sharon was there. Um, the moment that she stepped in the office, she did two things. She got rid of the police chief um, mm. that would not fire Blaine Salamone and brought on the police chief um, that fired him in short order. Um, and she ushered in a lot of changes to that police department. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate during her first term, we couldn't get to a settlement. But, you know, starting off this second term, I think there's a huge testament to her leadership and, and bringing in a new council that was able to really work together to put this to bed. Great. Speaking of putting it to bed, that's what I want to know, Ted. People um, have a lot of uneasiness when they start hearing about these kind of civil settlements when there's an absence of a criminal conviction or things like that. Talk to the, to us about what this means. Does this close off opportunities for criminal um, work to be done? Does it close off? Uh, what, what, what comes off the table? Yeah. If you know, and, and the it, family takes this money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably uh, me saying, put it to bed. is probably not 
recognizing um, that there's a large portion of, of justice that has not um, come to this family. So um, let me let me first say that um, this is just the, the financial piece, um, the criminal piece. We had a, a DA who refused to prosecute. We had a federal government that told us that um, it didn't see actions that arose to a civil rights violation, but they teed it up for the attorney general who should have um, indicted at least one of the officers, Blaine Salamone. So here we are many years later, Blaine Salamone is probably working security somewhere. He's still um, probably working as a law enforcement officer because mm -hmm. uh, we didn't see a conviction. And that is, you know, one of the things that I've tried to, to fight for in the legislature, mm -hmm. how they lose that post-certification because what we see mm -hmm. right now, officers that aren't convicted, they can brutalize and murder in Baton yep. Rouge and then go to Shreveport and be a yeah. police officer. They jurisdiction hop. Yep, they jurisdiction right. hop. Some of them state hop. It's a damn shame. With the new Biden administration, we know we're getting a new attorney general uh, at the mm -hmm. federal level. I predict that that's what's going to be needed to get justice for Breonna Taylor, right? Because we know uh, that punk ass AG in Kentucky. Yeah, he ain't shit. Um, mm -hmm. There is no justice if we are not going to, to prosecute. Like we can do... I'm a lawmaker. We can change policies. There, there are rules on the books right now that, that basically call uh, what happened to Alton Sterling murder. We need yep. people yes. that want to prosecute these individuals, right? Because there's a million things on, especially in Louisiana, there's so many things in our code that could have brought some of these officers to justice. What's missing is people that are brave enough to go after officers. So if and when this happens again, they're going to prosecute these officers just like they prosecute uh folks that look like me and you. And us, right? right. Okay. So that's, that's good to know. Let's talk a little bit about politics because you, you brought it up and you are a lawmaker and, and, and you've ever since I've known you, and I just want to tell the folks a, a cute little tea story. Uh, <laughs> I met Ted uh, when I started law school at Southern University's Law Center in Baton Rouge. And he was, as you can probably guess, he was Mr. It Man student body president at some point. He was, it was always clear to us, even as 1L students, Ted's a year ahead of me in law school, um, hence him being my torts teaching assistant. That's right. Yeah. Um, and despite that, I still persevered, Ted. You know what? I'm going to give you some flowers right now, Ted. <laughs> Ted was my TA, and I want to say in, in Sister Shaniqua Gray's torts class, and I got one of only two A's. That's yeah, there you so go. You did a great job, Ted. Thank you. Give me my flowers. Give me I'm my giving flowers. You, some flowers. <laughs> you know, I remember all them elements to this day. Here's my question, Ted. When I look at Louisiana, I look at y'all have um, John Bell Edwards as your governor, mm -hmm. reelected as a Democrat, right? right? You have, you're telling me now, Bill Cassidy, a former Democrat um, who's now a Republican in office. How far away do you think it is for Louisiana to, to turn blue in a presidential election? You know, I think that we have made some strides when you look at the um, increase in black voter turnout. There's an organization. Everybody's asking, who's the next Stacey Abrams? Everybody asked me that. Mm. I said, you, you know, mm. you can be the next Stacey Abrams. Right. Mm -hmm. we, we don't have one person that had an election stolen from them mm -hmm. um, and was and pissed off and motivated. And then one of the other things that, that folks don't recognize is this was not an overnight process. I this was a 10 year process of organizing. And that's, that's what true. we don't we we show up. We uh, we fight. We have not mastered the art of organizing. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you that 
uh, we have a call set up with um, with her organization and some folks that, that work with her to make sure that, that we have all the tools in place. Um, but the Power Coalition has been working to identify those disengaged workers. And yeah. in the, the runoff last year, Black folks voted at a higher percentage than, than our counterparts. So wow. I see a lot of movement and we've Power Coalition has identified about a million eligible Black voters that did not vote. Right. So we just we got to keep pushing. Um, And if if we can do that and organize, I I think we can see the same effects here. Right. Because I think that's something that people miss, Ted, is we think of the South now since Southern strategy of the politics of the 1960s. And we think that it's automatically Republican. It's automatically red. And and a lot of times I think the Democrats um, have done themselves a disservice by not even making a real effort when it comes to Southern states. And I think it's really Mm -hmm. dumb because the South has a disproportionately black populace. That's I mean, right. You look yeah. at Louisiana, right. uh, Mississippi, you look at Georgia, it's hella black folks down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's missed opportunity after missed opportunity to not fight for those states. And I'm happy to see it, Ted, because, you know, again, all jokes aside, you are someone because of who you are, your leadership, your skill set and your ability to have coalitions, because that's how you actually win elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, individuals, good. Coalitions, better. Your ability to, like you say, speak to your your, your Republican colleagues, um, work across coalition uh, after coalition. You are uniquely positioned to win a statewide election in a historically red state. But it only happens when we we organize and draw upon the coalitions, because if you can completely turn out the black vote and then you can partially turn out um, white people that have progressive values, um, white people that maybe are more moderate, but are just not with the bullshit and really mm-hmm. want some economic re- re- reprieve and relief. Um, you know, faith-based communities of all races. Yep. You, that's how we get a governor, Ted James. That's how mm-hmm. we get a United States Senator, Ted James, because we know black folks more or less uh, can win congressional districts um, where there's a high black populace. I believe there is a great untapped potential in black people winning statewide elections, especially in the South, where we are so densely populated. No, I, I agree with you. And there, there are some folks that believe that that we resurrect the Democratic Party in Louisiana by going after white voters that left us. Um, I have the belief that we got to give black folks a, a reason to go and vote. Right. right. We, we can't take black folks for granted. Uh, we can't just say go and vote for a Ted James because I'm black. Right. I, I have right. to give them something. Um, you know, I, I think that I have a record, but we have to give them something to get excited about. And, you know, Ebony, the Hispanic population is growing in, mm-hmm. in Louisiana. Right. I read yep. an article just two days ago about the work that uh, Stacey Abrams was able to do. And they went after that Hispanic population. Um, and, and we have a high percentage um, in my district in Baton Rouge and in New Orleans. So we have to give them something to, to be excited about as well. Uh, but, you know, the, the organizing piece, that that is key. Um, and that's where, um, you know, I think that Power Coalition and their work, they started it. We just have to amplify what they've done. And I, I believe that, that we'll be able to see it in short order. I do too, from your mouth to God's ears, Brother Ted. Uh, before I let you go, uh, Again, I was sharing with Dustin before you joined. You know, it was really scary, Ted. And we were all so terrified of losing you when you were sick with COVID. And you're a young man. You're only 38 years old. Uh, You say you work out every day. I don't know that I believe that. Okay. (laughs) 
I don't know. I'm just telling you straight out. You know, I'm gonna give you two or three times. I'm gonna give you two or three times a week, Ted. Your ass is not working out seven days a week. But you know, whatever. It press. I get it. So anyway, um, in all seriousness, though, tell us about when you started getting symptoms. How you knew it was COVID. Um, how afraid you were. And and this is what what gave me uh, pause, Ted. You are the most fighting brother I know. And I know at some point in your journey, you said, I don't have any more fight left in me. Um, yeah. So talk about that. And then, and then of course, your recovery. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, you, we were in session, a suspended session, I think it was March 16th or 17th. By the 23rd, that was the next Monday, I started feeling symptoms. And I knew uh, once I had a fever, I knew that, that I had it. Like I got tested mm. and it took thing. My, my results didn't come back until that Thursday. So this was way before the, the rapid 15 minute right. test. Right. Yep. Um, and I knew that a friend of mine had, he had been in the hospital that weekend and, um, a bunch of colleagues from the legislature, a lot of them were sick, but none of them had tested positive or had tested yet. Um, so Results that Thursday by Sunday morning, uh, my former legislative assistant, who was one of my dear friends, Kim, had dropped off some groceries and some some canes, chicken fingers. Yes, raisin canes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm sitting on the couch um, and I could not get to the door to get the food. Um, and she is she's sitting. Mm. I mean, in her car on at, on the edge of at the edge of the street and driveway, and I'm telling her, "Hey, I cannot get up." Um, now Kim's husband is a cardiologist at Baton Rouge General. Mm. Um, so like an hour later, I told her, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm headed to the hospital. Um, so I ended up going to the hospital and just one of the just scariest moments, just, you know, the, you go to emergency roommates. I was told that, you know, pneumonia in both lungs, I was hooked up to it. IV, did EKG, all these different things. And, uh, you know, the, wow. the first two or three days in the hospital were a blur. And I, I do remember um, just not not feeling the fight, like the, the fighter that you know. Yeah. Um, I was not that fighter the first couple of days in the hospital. Um, had called a, a friend of mine about, uh, you know, some plans in case something didn't happen. And, um, you know, my daughter, of course, I was yeah. terrified that I was not going to see her again. And, uh, you know, it's funny. This nurse came in as a guy. It was like two in the morning. And. Um, I kept pressing the button and it's not like a normal hospital stay, especially that early in COVID because they had to go and, and put on the full PPE and yep. uh, folks, you know, a lot of people did not want to come in the hospital room. I joke with people like the, the young lady that would bring food. It was almost like she stood at the door and would just push the tray. Like the color purple. Yes. I, I hope that it doesn't fall, but I'm not coming in that room with this COVID. You know, it's not, you can't just lay in the bed. You have to, mm. to fight it. And I had some pictures of Harper in my room. Um, and he was like, man, if that's your daughter, you, she wants you to fight. You cannot yes. just lay here and let this virus get the best of you. And, you know, that was the, the most human interaction that I had probably in a month. Right. Because that guy, the other doctors would come in and out, but he stayed with me for about 10 minutes. And, you know, the week I was at home before the hospital, the six days in the hospital, and then a couple of weeks I stayed home after. That's the most human interaction that I that I had. Right. Ted, how and long were guy, you in the hospital? Six days. Have you been vaccinated yet? I have not. 
No, I have not. Talk um, to, yeah, what's the situation? Well, I was going to say, I just want to know before we let you go, what, um, do you have a plan to get vaccinated? And what, do you, you know, for, for, for those of us in the culture that still are uneasy about the vaccination, and, yeah. and get it honest because of Tuskegee experiment and all kinds of, you know, um, bullshit that goes on in the American mm-hmm. healthcare system when it comes to black lives. Um, but just what, what do you say uh, to black people about this vaccine and what we need to know in general to stay uh, healthy and safe from COVID-19? You know, for me, the, the same folks, the same doctors that I, took advice from when I was sick, that, that cardiologist, Lance Lamont, um, who I talked to when I was sick, he got the vaccine. So I, I trust him mm-hmm. enough to, to get it myself. One of the things I have not um, gotten a vaccine yet, only because I don't want to skip the line. We have oh, okay. so limited numbers in, in Louisiana. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to wait until at least the 80 some people that I have in my office, I have a list of folks that are waiting. And at least until we could crack a dent there, I don't plan on jumping the line, but I do plan on it. And I think that, um, you know, those of us in our community, um, we have to look at the death toll. Right. Uh, We know what happens if we don't protect ourselves in our community. Right. We we know that an uh, disproportionate number of people in our community didn't um, they can't share the the testimony that I just shared that they survived this. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you know, I think it's incumbent upon us to to go and take it. One of the things that we haven't done, um, and I've been stressing the department here, we need trusted folks out there um, talking about the vaccine. Like, I love Governor Edwards, but a white man from Tangipahoa ain't meet just like you. is probably not the best person to deliver that message to right. um, 70, 80 year old black folks. Um, right so what I've told them, I was like, look, you know, treat this like a campaign. Just, you know. When, when you needed our votes, you showed up where at the black church, right? So you have to, and you had black pastors endorse you and, and, and talk about you. So you need some some black pastors, some doctors, some folks in our community that look like us, that we trust advocating for this vaccine. And if not, you're going to see a significant number of people that, that are just not going to, to trust it because of Tuskegee and other things. Indeed. And that puts the entire community at risk. So, yeah. um, Ted, most importantly, brother, I'm glad you're here. Really. Yes. I'm Thank glad you. you're here. Um, Thank you, my dear. Louisiana needs you. Um, America needs you. Um, and I'm sure there's some lonely young women in Louisiana that need Stop you. Stop it. <laughs> 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 um, I'm with you, Ted. We adore you. Thank you for your leadership, brother. And we hope to have you back on uh, to continue to seriously update us. I know you're doing really important work in the legislature. You have a great relationship with our Biden and, and Harris team in the White House. And, and we're right behind you, brother. So thank you. Well, I appreciate you, Ebony. And thank All you, right, Dustin. Then. Look forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you. Good deal. All right. So that does it for this episode of Holding Court. We want to thank uh, Representative Ted James for joining. Thank you all so much for listening, jurors. We love and need y'all. Follow us, subscribe, give us a review. And listen, we read those reviews. Dustin, I don't know. Did you read the shade that we got um, for being old and haters on uh, the weekend? One of our reviewers. I did. I I did. I read it. They say we was old and crusty and uh, we couldn't appreciate the weekend. But that's mm-hmm. why we, but you know what? We appreciate that feedback. Um, kitchen table talk. That's, that's our right. kitchen table talk amongst our jurors. That's exactly. All. And we live for it. So give us a review. Give us your stars. Tell a friend, tell your mama, tell everybody, get the word out. And again, check out our episode notes. Uh, we always tend to try to put some resources and some links in there to get to some solutions on holding court. Holding Court comes to you from Uppity Production in association with Dossie Media and presented by the Black Effect Network from iHeartRadio. 
audio services always provided by one of one productions y'all check them out at one of yes. productions.com we love y'all join yes. us next week when of course court will be back in session and in the meantime y'all wear your mask stay safe if you can qualify for a vaccination get a vaccination keep the faith stay prayed up and does what you want the people to do read them terms and them conditions y'all it never changes yes never changes.